The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hi, I'm Thomas Salerno, and you're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. And in this episode, we'll be discussing the movies that we love to watch on repeat. And for tonight's discussion, it's a tale of two mics, because I am joined by Mike Denz. Hello, Mike. Hey, great to be here. And by Mike Creevy. Hey there, Mike. Hey, everybody. I didn't think of that, by the way, Thomas, <laughs> until just now. <laughs> Speaking of Bob Newhart, I'm Tom, and this is my friend Mike, my other friend Mike. <laughs> Sorry, that was pre-show chat. Pre-recording <laughs> jibber-jabber. Yeah. But be sure to follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcast app or directory of choice. And please do do us a favor by sharing the podcast with all your friends, because we've got a lot of great movies and shows to discuss on the podcast this summer. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. And you can follow the show on social media. At Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash starquestmedia. On Twitter, we are at SQPN. And on Instagram, we are at Starquest Network. So I'm, I'm really excited for this discussion because I did a lot of thinking beforehand, but I don't really have a lot of like hard and fast notes for this one because it's weird. The movies I watch on repeat, I don't know if this is true with you guys, but it changes over time. Mm -hmm. It's never the same from one season of my life to the next. What, what about you guys? Is that true for you? It's true for me, but for different reasons. I used to have a collection of V tapes of movies that I collected. And I remember when I went to Franciscan University, one of my first roommates, upon seeing this shelf of about 20 some movies, actually said, have you watched all those movies? <laughs> I'm just like, several times over, actually. <laughs> now, you know, the back. this was back in 96. There wasn't as many Star Wars movies as, as you might yeah. think. There was, there was others that we'll talk about tonight. And I don't have a VCR anymore. I don't know where those tapes are. I've probably thrown <laughs> away. And uh, so they're not, uh, I have to pay to watch some of the movies I used to like to watch all the time because I rely on streaming. I know. Oh. Yeah. So unless I have it on DVD, uh, which is not much of that, I still do have some of them, you know, and do I really want to get up and walk and put it in the DVD play, you know, and then just try to find it on streaming or pay for it or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm glad that's not just <laughs> no, me. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's what's at my fingertips is really, uh, but there, but there used to be a time when if it was, you're strolling through channels, you're like, Oh, I will watch yeah. this again. You know, I don't, it's the middle of the movie. Yep. I don't care. This is great. It's a great scene. I hadn't really thought about yep. that too. It's just the changing dynamic of how we consume it affecting mm -hmm. it a lot too. Cause, cause for me, you know, it was, you know, we had, we had VHS tapes, you know, a bunch of, you know, growing up and everything. And then I, I bought like my first DVD player, like in high school. And then I, I really started building this, this, this collection. So I still have all these DVDs out here. And I, even now, like I'll walk past some of them and just be like that. I will never watch that movie again. <laughs> like there's, there's a few of them where it's just, you know, maybe it's just <laughs> something that's, I don't know if I'm getting more sensitive or I just don't care. Like there's, certain war movies or certain crime type movies. And I'm like, I don't want to see that anymore, you know, and that's, that's movies in general, of course. But, but then like the ones, like you said, Thomas, there are some where I was like, I just, I don't feel like that's one I watch as much anymore. And I think a good example is, is probably the Godfather yeah. movies, nothing against them at all. Cause I've, you know, been on what, four episodes now. We, we did three, three episodes of secrets of movies and TV shows with the Godfather with me and Dom and Andrew Hermes. And then we did a, an epilogue with a review of the offer on, on Paramount plus, you know, so I rewatched him for that, but I don't know about you guys. I wanted to ask you this too. If you, <laughs> did you find yourself like putting down a lot of movies on your list that you've been on the panel for on us on SQP and <laughs> secrets of movies and TV well, yeah. shows like that seemed to make sense. Yeah. Some, like, okay, yeah. Well, so what is it about those? Like, that's what I'm kind of wondering about, you know, as we go through this. Oh, and by the way, like I'm, I'm trying to cut down on my isms and that's one of my isms. It's interesting, but, and then I say, but anyway, <laughs> ditto. Yeah. Yeah. When, when, when I was a kid, there were my go-to movies. Cause I also had a, a, a VHS collection. And then when, when DVDs came out, they were super expensive. 
you know, and then Blu-rays, of course. And I kept I got tired of upgrading my collection <laughs> to the different formats. So I'm just like, honestly, yeah, I, I gave away most of my physical movies to, to to thrift stores and stuff. I have the ones that I like to watch over and over again that are hard to find mm. on streaming. Yeah. For me, it's like because I love like vintage sci-fi and like monster movies. And a lot of those are hard to find. Yeah. On streaming, if, if you don't have some of those Godzilla movies, you know, physical, you're not watching them. Or they'll show up on one of those weird, like, third party, like, Roku channels or something that's, like, got ads in it or or it's, like, a weird, right, you know, yeah. someone filmed it off a of TV or something. <laughs> it's not it's not good quality. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the YouTube and, like, I got to watch it in parts. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, the, the YouTube, the, the movie that, that, that's put on YouTube. Part like, 17. It, and convenient 37 parts, uh, you know, and like waiting for the ads so I can watch the next part, you know, because it'll take me there. But, you know, I guess if this is the only way I can watch it for free, then that's the way I have to do it. Well, it's like what you said, Mike, our whole culture around watching movies has changed. You know, it, it's it's the convenience of streaming and, you know, a whole, I think, couple of generations now are growing up without physical media, without going to the video store and renting that movie again, because like, you know, I know in my childhood, a lot of movies I watched over and over again that weren't part of my VHS collection. I had to walk down to Blockbuster and rent them, you know, on a Friday after school. And that whole experience is just that was fun, though. Yeah. It was fun. No, exactly. It was great. And but that whole experience is just mm-hmm. gone in, in most places. Oh, sorry. I, I I just had a question because I didn't know, like, I was curious, like when I sat down to do this and we had talked about doing the show and I was just wondering, like, huh, like, I don't think it'll be hard to come up with a list. Right. But it's like, I want, are they going to be mostly comedies or dramas or it was actually a pretty good blend I found. I look at it as a perfect storm and it's and, and I don't mean that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's it, I, I could make an argument for that being rewatchable, though it's not one of mine of of scenes that just stream together so that every time you're coming up to the next scene. You're not like, oh, I'll fast forward through mm. this or all this. I'll go get something to eat. You know, it's just like, oh, this scene. Oh, yeah. And, and, and not being like, you know, I, it's not like I'm getting so technical where I'm like, oh, the key grip was really good. I don't even know what a key grip does. <laughs> but the, like when the acting and writing and directing and maybe even like the way it, I mean, when I say directing, like the way it's shot and everything is just like, this is enjoyable. I can, every time I watch this, this is fun to watch. This is like a song you play over, mm. you know, just, I just enjoy. Yeah. I enjoy this. Oh, now that scene's coming. Yeah. I like, I like watching. That. I like how they did that. It's just, it's just entertaining. It's satisfying. It's, you know, and I think for me, and I think this goes to your question, Mike, is dramas. Even though that's not a genre I would normally say is like my favorite. I love action and things like that, but I, once I see an action scene, it's not like, oh, I want to see that action scene mm. again. It's not that exciting. It's usually more the, the dramatic scenes in movies that are just so well performed and so clever and so well shot that I enjoy seeing it over mm. and over again. You know, I'll just throw out an example of one that is just about for everybody. You, you think of It's a Wonderful Life that we watch Christmas over and over again. You know, every year you watch it at Christmas. And you're like, well, I have to watch, you know. You enjoy every scene. Yeah. You enjoy seeing George do mm-hmm. all those different things. You yeah. enjoy seeing what he goes through and the other people you enjoy when Clarence shows, you know, right. And, and there's no action, you know, it's, it has its funny parts, but it's not, no. it doesn't make you like laugh hilariously. You just really enjoy seeing that. And maybe there's some nostalgia with that one too, but they're just, it's just really well done. And that's what my, when I look at my list, I'm like, this is just a series of really well done Mm-hmm. scenes that were sp- uh, well edited i bet editing has a lot to do with it how well that's done and music um that it's just i really enjoy this yeah the music is i think for the whole movie i don't know that an individual yeah. scene but it certainly is like in the top i don't know five to seven things about uh, a scene yeah. that 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 just cinch it for well, you know, when people talk about you know famously like john williams music being the 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 air or the atmosphere of star wars but but I think, and which is true, but I think sometimes we forget, I think that's just as true to say about Hans Zimmer's music, you know, in the Dark Knight trilogy or like, you know, any, any score, yeah. you know, that, that you go to. I mean, um, you know, like, you know, like James Horner's work on like, 
I, oh. I, I enjoy so much in some of those Braveheart. Like Braveheart. You know, his score for Titanic was really good too. That's not on my list, but you know, oh my gosh, but yeah, yeah it's just, and that's sometimes overlooked, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He did, um, some of the, uh, one of the ones on my list just to break it out, uh, is the Jack Ryan movies. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that's oh. where writing has must a lot to do it. Cause the original Jack Ryan was Baldwin mm-hmm. in hunt for red October, yeah. but I love Harrison Ford. Right. <gasps> Ball, uh, Jack Ryan yeah. much more even though he's too old blah 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 Patriot um, Games was good. And clear, <laughs> yeah. Patriot Games and Clear yeah. Present Danger and Patriot Games I was just rewatching that before I even realized I was doing this I was just watching it and and Anya Anya's work yeah in, uh, the the new age uh, isn't that because because that's the IRA they're like the Irish thing, the right? IRA the Irish yeah Sean so Bean they used and, that and it just yeah. really worked really worked well but uh james horner was uh you know the the composer for that and that was a i don't think i knew that yeah yeah, uh, and he yeah he did some star trek stuff right right i mean he's probably my second favorite after john williams james horner is my my second favorite with probably braveheart and titanic Mm -hmm. being the two masterpieces of work i could listen to braveheart music all day long and there's so many great pieces in that i'll I'll tell you uh, one of my new favorite composers who worked on a movie that is probably going to be one of my new go-tos and that is Bear McCreary yeah. because he worked on God the uh the, the recent Godzilla King of the Monsters okay. Oh, okay. which was great like he he captured the Japanese themes for a lot mm. of these monsters but he redid it in a way that where it was you recognize those themes but they were still they, they they were different enough where you're like he captured them, but he made them mm. his. It was just great. Like and and that 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 movie did so much to recapture what was great about the older Godzilla movies because they leaned into some of the ridiculousness. And I, I saw a lot of the reviewers just didn't get it. They were like, "Oh, this movie is so stupid," and I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> that's the whole point." It's a big, loud, stupid it's monster. It's a radioactive movie. monster. Of yeah, course not. <laughs> of course none of the science <laughs> makes sense. Of course they defy gravity. It's it's a monster movie. It was like it was at the second Jurassic Park where they had Japanese people running away from one of the yes. dinosaurs in a just silly goofy. Another movie I watch on repeat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All the Jurassic Park movies mm-hmm. the, the or the older ones. Yeah, like, the yes, original Ju- couple. Yeah. Jurassic Park's my favorite movie of all. Oh, time. Well, OK. Oh. And it's interesting, uh, Mike, you mentioned about c- uh, scenes that are just great scenes. I don't know if it's my favorite scene in Jurassic Park, but one of my favorite scenes has no dinosaurs in it. It's all dialogue. It's the scene where Hammond, the guy who's created the park, is sitting down with the paleobotanist Sattler after all the dinosaurs have escaped. His grandkids are are missing in the park, and he's just sitting there forlornly eating ice cream that's been melting in the freezers because all the electricity is out. And he talks about like you know his vision for Jurassic Park and how he just wanted to make something that people would enjoy. But he gets more and more worked up as, as the scene goes on. And there's this brilliant piece of dialogue. And he, he talks about ha- having created a flea circus in his youth, which was all sleight of hand and illusions. He talks about how he's he's going to do this again if it doesn't work. And, and, and Sattler's like, no, the, Jurassic Park is still the flea circus. It's all an illusion. <laughs> Hammond says, when we have control again, Sattler cuts him off and says, you never had mm. control that's the illusion <laughs> i love that, that because that that is the the core of the movie that's the message of that movie the idea that man can have control over nature control of this kind of science that he barely understands yet he's doing with it things that were were never meant yeah. to be done that that scene is just such a brilliant scene so well acted so well written and none of that dialogue's in the novel by the way and I, I like the novel, but in a lot of ways, the movie is, dare I say, better in the, than the novel. The, the characterizations are better. It has better dialogue. And yeah, Jurassic Park is just one I'll go back to anytime, whether it's on TV or whether I just download it and stream it one day. I'm just like, 
no matter what mood I'm in, Jurassic Park is just brilliant. Edinburgh was was great. Oh my god! I mean, his yes casting and yeah. and and his his performance, and he just drew you in. It it almost reminds you in a way of uh, listening to Quint and Jaws talk about yeah. Indianapolis. Yes. You know, he's talking about. His flea circus, and you could just see him. And there were no fleas, but you could hear the little kids saying, "Oh, I can see the fleas, mommy!" And like, but there weren't any I fleas. I can see there. the fleas, mommy. <laughs> yeah, but everything yeah. was all animatronic. You know, uh, when dialogue mm-hmm. is good, you know, and 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 when it's not, you get, I'm so I, I I'm so excited. I think this is like the tenth SQPN show in a row I've managed to do this in. But then when it's not good, you get lines like, "Somehow Palpatine returned." <laughs> Um, I'm so sorry, Oscar. Um, I'm sure Oscar Isaac's listening. It's not Oscar Isaac's fault. No, but, 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 but but this is like, what's so cool to me is like this, you know, these movies that, because when, you know, we were talking about, I think Thomas, you mentioned this, how, you know, like you didn't really have a really rigid sort of outline for this episode in particular, because there's just this sense like there's, we're going to unpack this because it's like a, I know it's there and I have to think it through and talk about it with someone because it's like, what is it? And I think as as we started to do it, I really was, was struck by this idea that it's like these these movies I keep going back to, whether they're comedies or dramas or whatever they are. I think there's always something true, like just fundamentally true about the world, right? That it's opening a, a unique sort of window to or, or a unique doorway. You know, there's just and even if I can't put it into words. And maybe precisely because I can't put it into words, you know, I just I watch that movie or that scene or I'll just go back to that because it's like that's yeah, there's something there, you know, and I, I had to grab this quote because it, it, it this jumped out at me. I do a lot of kind of education research just with my job and stuff. And I'm, I'm getting involved in more classical education kind of conversations and stuff. And in that came across this quote from G.K. Chesterton. He says, we read the Iliad because life is a battle, the Odyssey because life is a journey. The book of Job, because life is a riddle and he could keep going on. And I was like, that is just so. So like I watched yeah. The Village, for example, which was another SQPN, you know, <laughs> movies, the secrets of movies and TV shows that I was on a while back. M. Night Shyamalan's movie, The Village. And it reminds me a little bit, Thomas, when you said earlier about people like ripping it apart, uh, the Godzilla movie. That's how I feel when people rip apart The Village, because I think it's a masterpiece. And I'm not afraid to defend ah. it because it, I think it's one of his absolute best films. And it's precisely something that I just don't see most people. It's not even on their wavelength sometimes. And not because I'm special or smarter or whatever than anybody else. It's for me, that movie is such a tremendously brilliant sort of theological anthropology piece where I think it's a great commentary on original sin. You know, and spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. It came out 19 years ago, so I'm going to ruin the ending for you but you know they you you find they find out that this you know uh, idyllic town you know late 1800s town somewhere in the wilderness of pennsylvania where these people all of whom have these tragic backgrounds that have headed to this town you find out that it's actually modern day and they all met in various forms of of grief counseling after these tragedies in like 1970s 19 maybe early 80s you know like new york and philadelphia like major cities and stuff and violent crime and all that and they have tried beyond what any of us ever could imagine right or ever pull off to create this perfect little edenic town where everything's perfect and there's no weapons and there's no money and they're like they 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 try so hard right to do what every parent on a less maybe crazy level kind of wishes you could do for your own kid and there's still a murder and there's still like it's just they can't escape and it's, so it's this movie, it's, it's a very tragic movie in some ways, but this, I, I just, as I watch it, there's nothing overtly Catholic in it, but every time I watch it, I'm just really struck by this, like, this is true. Like, this is, we want to create these spaces, and we can and should to an extent, but there's a line somewhere where, like, and back to what you said, Thomas, like, we don't control it. Like, at the end of the day, it's, life's not about what I can control. There's always going to be something I can't. And then what? Right. Where's faith come in? So that's just one example. I mean, like that's that's a more serious one. But uh, yeah, I just I I don't know. That's that's something that comes to my mind. But it's a window into the truth of life. You know, I I wish all my movies on my list were like that because I my list has a lot of guilty pleasure movies. Oh, I do, too. Like Bill and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures on my list. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no, that's a that's a commentary on the biblical. I'm just kidding. (laughs) <laughs> that's exodus what are you crazy <laughs> yeah. no it's not i know it's not i didn't say that mike since, since since you've referenced them already 
the newer Star Wars movies, not so much The Last Jedi, but I routinely find myself mm-hmm. on a day where I have nothing to do just watching The Force oh, yeah. Awakens again. I love them all. Even The Rise of Skywalker. I just think those movies are fun. Oh, yeah. When people criticize those movies, I agree with everything they say. But you still love it. And I'm still like, <laughs> I still like rewatching them. There's just something about like, I, I like how sincerely the people who made them wanting you to have a good time oh, yeah. at the movies. Yeah. They kind of are. Yeah. It's like on the opposite spectrum of that in Star Wars is Rogue One. Mm. I rewatch Rogue One a lot. Yes. And it's probably my favorite of the recent Star Wars. Movies. I agree. But it's funny because I, I have on those opposite ends of the spectrum, you know, you have like Rogue One and The Force Awakens, which came out, I think, a year apart. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I rewatch those two a lot, yeah. you know, and and people are like, oh, but the, the Force Awakens is just a new hope over again. And I'm like, yeah, but I think that's kind of like why I watch like rewatching it oh, because it's <laughs> a, an obvious love letter to a new hope. Oh, yeah. And so I unapologetically like rewatch the new Star Wars movies. I just think that they are fun. And sometimes that's just what I need on a rainy day or a day when I'm not feeling too good. Absolutely. It's just to smile a bit for two hours and, and enjoy a movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, two of the things that, that I can also mention that seem to attract me to a movie is one of the things, and I used to think it's because I just like certain actors and their performances, hmm. but I think it's much more than that because there can be good actors and just because they're in the movie doesn't mean the movie is good, but there are some people, especially if they're the lead actor or actress in the movie that it seems like they choose to do the type of movies I like. Uh, so, mm-hmm. and one of them who I'm, I'm nothing like, except we seem to have the same taste in what, uh, like beautiful women and movies, uh, Tom Cruise. I don't have anything in common with him as far as his religious persuasions or anything like that. And he's definitely, I'm definitely way taller than he is, but I remember being in awe of, I thought when, when back in the day, I thought Mimi Rogers was beautiful. Yeah. I remember seeing her movies like, wow, that's a beautiful actress. And then when the gosh, help me out here, Nicole Kidman Kidman first came out and you know, before she ruined her hair, I thought, wow, what a beautiful (laughs) actress, you know? And even what's the girl from Dawson's Creek? But uh, what's Katie that Holmes. That he, oh, Katie Holmes that he jumped up and down the car. I remember thinking, wow, she's really, you know, so I'm like, well, this is weird. Tom Cruise married all those. Guys. But anyway, that's like, I don't <laughs> admire him for that. But he seems to pick the movies. I, I mean, I can watch Top Gun, both of them. Mm-hmm. I can watch oh, yeah. A Few Good Men. I could watch that. And there's just nothing but great, great performance dialogue in that over and over yeah. and mm-hmm. over again. And it's not just the times when. Nicholson is on the screen. All of the different uh, the amazing right. actors. I love Kevin Bacon. I, li- I, I like Demi Moore. I, yeah. I like Tom Cruise. All the people that are in it. What's his name? Uh, Sutherland gives a great performance as uh, Kendrick. The, oh, right. Uh, the, you he know, he just has a small role, but he does so good. It's was Kevin like, Pollack in that, too? Isn't he one of the one? Yep, the Kevin Pollack, yeah. the other lawyer. Uh, he's great in it. I mean, just it's just chock full of all these actors. And I think it's actually the the, the linchpin for how... Kevin Bacon is connected to the six degrees of Kevin Bacon because of yeah. a few good men. He's connected to so many others that he never yeah. would have been. But anyway, there's a great shtick that this comedian does where he goes, Tom Cruise, he was in cocktail and he was a bartender. He was a really good bartender, but then he had a crisis of confidence. Uh, but a beautiful woman came along and restored his confidence. And then in Top Gun, he was a fighter pilot. He was a really good fighter pilot. But then he had a crisis of confidence, <laughs> but a beautiful woman came along and restored it and he was okay. And then, you know, I mean, and he's going through these and I'm like, oh my gosh. And last samurai, he was a really good samurai. He was a really good lawyer. He was a really, and then he had a crisis of confidence. I'm like, whoa, there's a theme here. And apparently I'm attracted to those, you know? I mean, so it's funny. just, huh. it's not like, and it's not a trope, you know, it's the, every yeah. Rocky is that, you know, he's right. a really good boxer and then he has a crisis of confidence. Right. Adrian pulls him back. And I mean, it's just, if it works, use it. You know, uh, we just talked about the repeated the new hope, you know, uh, all the tropes in that one too. Yeah. And, and, and the Reacher, I mean, people make fun of like how badly cast was he for Reacher? No, he's awesome. You never expect this five foot nothing you know soaking wet 110 pound soaking wet guy is going to wipe out everybody there but he does and that's so cool and that brings me to my second i'll just real oh, quick no, 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 no. yeah no, i'll come quick, back to my, it because I- <laughs> yeah come back to that. my second favorite thing which you don't see i'm so sick of the, the modern 
people doing this is heroes that are incorruptible. Mm. I just love that. And that's Jack Ryan yeah. in, the, mm-hmm. in, in, in those movies. He's, he's, he doesn't fall. He doesn't fail. I'm not saying that he wins every fist fight or he's the best sharpshooter right, right, or anything right. like that, but he has this moral integrity where he doesn't, yeah. it's not, you can depend on him. And right. I'm, I'm really tired of seeing like, especially in some yeah. of the different shows you might binge through different episodes. They out, they, they have to have these characters have all these moral flaws and all these problems and whatever. Mm. And I, I understand that you, you show people have weakness and everything, but it's, it's great when you're watching a, a story that revolves around someone that overcomes their weaknesses and triumphs. That's what I want to, I don't need to see right. another person cheat on his wife or another person succumb to the drugs or another person right. take the money and choose, you know, to betray his friends or whatever. Well, that, that kind of incorruptible hero that that's, that's Chris Evans, Captain America. Yeah. Now. I mean, that's, I love those movies. That's, mm-hmm. that's the Christ. Those movies are terrific. That's the seeing Jesus, the, the Christ figure through these people, you know, Shawshank Redemption is another one of my, yeah. you know, so many people's rewatchable, you know, Andy Dufresne is a huge Christ figure, like almost obvious, like hitting you over the head. Chronicles of Narnia Christ figure kind of guy that is in that movie and you enjoy it. And it's like, yes, you know, if he would have like succumbed and failed and did something, you know, bad in the middle or towards the end of that movie, you'd have been like, oh, that, you know, that really stunk. You know, you, you like you, you want to see him triumph at the end and he does. And that's, that's very satisfying to me in a movie. And also to know that's what's coming the whole time yes, you're going yeah. through the trials. You're like, yeah, but wait, what's coming, you know? Mm. And, and it makes it watchable. That's one of the reasons why, I love watching Braveheart, but after the Battle of Sterling, I get a little bit like, oh, now it's just kind of going to go downhill. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> he's going to get betrayed and then he's going to get caught. And it's yeah. difficult. I mean, it's still a moral victory for him, but it's still, it's like, he was doing so good. He was doing so good. And then, oh, mm-hmm. this is the rough part. Right. Yeah. It's like one of the movies, and it's funny because I said at different seasons of my life, there's been different movies. One of the movies that we used to watch at least once a year at my house. Cause we would watch in the summer, either on like 4th of July or Memorial day. And it's a long movie, but we, we would watch Gettysburg mm. and that's a movie where like, you know, it's a slow motion train wreck. You see the tragedy happening. It's a great film. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Unfolding in front of you. And even the characters in the movie start seeing it coming. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there, there's that great scene where, where, where general Longstreet pulls aside the character who's the uh, the spy who wants to put on a uniform and be in the final battle. And Longstreet's like, you know what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And then he tells him exactly how the battle is going to unfold, how they're going to lose, and how a lot of them are going to die. But the guy still wants to go through with it anyway. But that that's just a, mm-hmm. it, it's a great scene. It's almost like Goddard Damarung, you know, because like, you know, it, it's almost like the, the, the Twilight of the Gods in Norse mythology because they know it's coming. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and I, I think there's a reason why, you know, Civil War movies especially are like that. And the Civil War has been called the American Iliad because it is like it is like the Greco Roman or like the Norse mythology. When they put it on screen, it has those themes of like this is utter tragedy yeah. because it's senseless and didn't need to happen. That's I love the I love the Lincoln movie for a lot of that too. Lincoln is amazing because yeah, like, Daniel Day Lewis's portrayal. Because I, I had read some like a biography Fantastic. or two of, of Lincoln before I saw that, and and always thought it was interesting that you know, his speech was described you know by contemporaries as very different than what I imagined we were normally hearing, and the, the very austere. Well, just speaking uh-huh. of Bill and Ted, right when they <laughs> when they bring Abraham Lincoln back and he finishes off their report, you know, four score and seven minutes ago <laughs> you know and it's not like you know which greatest lincoln portrayal maybe ever you know sorry to daniel day lewis but you know party on dude <laughs> like just, but but that's you know like but he apparently had that more like kind of kentucky like it was like a higher pitch because you know he was he was not from illinois originally he was he was you know, from kentucky no which i believe consequently in his in his run for president he was attempting to appease potential southern voters too but like i'm i'm from kentucky you know i kind of you know get the whole border state thing and you know the but uh but yeah that for daniel day lewis and he saw i don't know if you guys saw this this was neat an interview with oprah or somebody shortly after that movie came out and he said it's 
he wasn't attributing it to divine inspiration, but like he very seriously, like I, I could, I could see the sort of sincerity just in his face, you know, but he was basically talking about like research and all that kind of stuff, reading everything he could. But then like, there's a moment where like, I can't remember how he exactly how he worded it, but it's just, he, he seemed unable to kind of phrase how the process works, but almost gave it like a spiritual kind of like, it just came to him. Mm. And I, I do sometimes wonder, it's funny with movies, like we talk about this, of course, as enter- entertainment, and it is, I think, chiefly that most of the time. But I do wonder sometimes, you know, the craft of acting and, and what we're doing here with theater, or with we or what they're doing. I'm just mostly <laughs> watching it. <laughs> you know, but, what we do. Yeah, what I do and consuming <laughs> of theater. But yeah, it is, it's a cool thing to just imagine. Like, sometimes you just, I don't know about you guys, sometimes I just feel like certain movies, like obviously some of them are like, clearly inspired like maybe by satan himself others i i wonder yeah. is there some you know divine inspiration for some of these classics that just i mean like there are with with certain books you know you just feel like there was another author involved in this right believe well, even the greeks had this idea of the muses right and there was a muse of drama if i'm not mistaken oh, okay there was a muse of drama there's a muse of literature and this yeah. idea that there is kind of sometimes the artist just yeah, I, I even saw a, a Tolkien quote the other day to kind of segue almost into Secrets of Middle Earth here for a second. But Tolkien, um, he mentioned how like when he wrote the climax of The Lord of the Rings, where Gollum takes the ring from Frodo and slips and falls into Mount Doom. Spoiler alert. But he said at that point, the other author took over, mm. by which I assume he means the creative, the, the Holy Spirit, the kind yeah. of creative Genius, as the, the, the Romans called it, the, the, the genius of creative thought and art. Yeah, I, I think there's something true to that. And I think you're right. We, we see it in the best movies, the movies that, like we said earlier, had, have something true and beautiful and meaningful about life, you know, about them. Like, yeah, there's the movies we watch for fun yeah. and they're great. But then there are movies that are just affecting in some way. I, I think there's like there's fun, there's nostalgia. And then there's those movies that just affect you on like a deep level. And, and sometimes those come together in all three. And it's like a moment of grace almost is perfect. Well, can I and can I throw out another category? Let's see if you guys because I'm curious if you guys have any, any yeah. of these, because I feel like this is a category in its, in, of its own of like what well, within the broader sort of ra- ra- um, uh, genre of, of comedy, but specifically comedies that really have as their focus a just wacky, dysfunctional family undergoing completely astonishing circumstances where where you don't like you've probably never actually had anything like anything in that movie or most of it ever happen in your real life but it reminds you enough of your own family to get that that i feel like there's this perfect balance when it's done just right of the astonishing realization of just how weird and wacky and completely crazy families are but how you you just can't live without yours you know what I mean? Like, and you love them. And it's those are my favorite kind of comics. So like yeah. uh, my the two uh, two that I put down were Arsenic and Old Lace, which is really out there. Right. With with um, is it Cary Grant? I think, I'm, I'm drawing a blank yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah Cary you're right. Cary Grant. It was a stage play, I think, first. And I mean, my wife and I will watch that, you know, I'd say about once a year. We'll pop that in because it's like, oh, it's been a while since we've seen it. And it's just so ridiculous. And like Peter Laurie's in it. And, you know, there's just there's some great, great characters in that. I don't want to spoil that one for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's a classic, but a lot of people maybe haven't seen it. So definitely I would check that one out. But the other one, another older one, not quite as old as that, was um, Mr. Hobbs Takes a Vacation with Jimmy Stewart. Do you guys ever see that one? It's, no, it's a Jimmy yeah. Stewart movie. It's like 1962, I think. So it's okay. it's. It even has a little nostalgia, like at one point, you know, he goes, he's going up the stairs and like the, uh, the banister little, like the ball thing on the banister comes loose. Oh, really? Like, and it's a wonderful <laughs> life, you know, and he's like, right. uh, yeah, yeah. But, um, it, but the basic premise is he's a bank manager from St. Louis and, uh, he and his, his family are, are going on this family vacation. Most they, they basically have, I think it's, it's two adult daughters who have families of their own, young families, a third daughter who's you know, a, an awkward teenager with braces. And then they're, they're like 12 year old son. And there's some stuff. It's funny. Like there's some stuff in it. That's like super like early progressive, like really 
just kind of shocking like oh my gosh like why the heck you know nothing you know completely you know like like what you see today on most tv shows and stuff but long story short they just they go and they get this this house somebody loans to them and it's this miserably dreary like almost haunted house looking thing on the like right on the beach somewhere in california And as they pull up they play takata and fugue like as they see it and Jimmy Stewart's like, you know, he's kind of he wanted to go. Maureen O'Hara plays his wife. You know, and he wants to go on this this trip with her and like a couple of old timers, you know, on, on their, you know, sort of empty nester type, you know, trip. But she wants to get all the family together. So he's kind of oh, we're going to do this with the kids. OK, you know, so he's, he's so he's just kind of grumpy about it. But when they get there, he's trying to get the family to be positive And they're all looking at the house. And he goes, if this house is good enough for Edgar Allan Poe, it's good enough for us. You know, and just there's just so many, you know, and like the sump pump, you know, or like this, they have this old school pump that breaks and he has that it's just all this chaos. They have a, a like a Swedish uh, housekeeper who's with them and he comes downstairs and says, hey, kids, who wants some sun on the beach? And she gets furious and leaves because she thinks he said something else, you know, because it's all like, oh. she's like in Sweden, we do not swear at women. And he's like, mm. oh, and, and his wife smacks him. She's like, what'd you say? I came down and I said, you want some sun on the beach? And, oh. You know, and it's just it's it's just it's campy. It's goofy. There's a lot of just fun early 60s kind of, you know, stuff in it. So that that's a fun one, too. <laughs> I found like I got in a Jimmy Stewart kick, I, I but it, it, it doesn't really fall into this as much for all the movies. But I mean, just watching him. Oh, he's wonderful. <laughs> perform. It's just yeah, it's just I just love him so yeah. much. I mean, I don't really I, I, I need to separate myself from what I know about actors or try not to find out about them in order to enjoy their performance mm-hmm. at times. But with him, I just love him as well as his craft. So just watching him yeah. you know, do what he does is so great. But I don't want to forget. I mentioned ja- uh, the Reacher movies with Tom Cruise mm-hmm. and you had something you wanted me to get back to. Oh, like, no, <laughs> you, you just you said you said something about some people you know, having it hard to believe with him in that particular role. And yeah. all it made me think of is. It's so bizarre now because I'm a high school teacher. And when you say Keanu Reeves, the kids now, all they think about is John Wick. And, mm-hmm. and listen, I, like, I'm a fan of the Matrix. And, and he, you know, like he, he certainly that's it's an action role. It's a serious role. You know, he was in uh, Speed. He was in well, Point Break or before that. Like he's he's been in these and sometimes goofy. Time, yeah. yeah, but well, that's, that's what I'm getting to. He was he was <laughs> in these action movies. But I Keanu Reeves will always be Ted Theodore Logan. Uh, for me from Bill and Ted and I just can't it's I can't ever really get him out of my my mind whenever I see him in anything it's just I was just quoting yesterday when he and Bill go back to ancient Greece because like what I love about them in that movie is they're they're kind of innocents you know like they're just are dumb you know like they're really, like they're not they're not trying they're not trying to be disrespectful like they're just these they know who they are you know and they go <laughs> like they're trying as hard as they can you know and they go back and they hear people walking by and saying Socrates he's like Oh, he's in our report, dude. Look him up. Then he starts flipping through the book. He's like, Oh, it's under Socrates. Oh yeah. You know, and he flipped <laughs> and, uh, and Bill, Bill reads it. He goes, uh, he says it's Alex Winter, I guess. And he's like, um, it's like Socrates. The only knowledge is in knowing that you know nothing. And like, they look off in the middle distance, like really pensive. And then Keanu Reeves is like, that's us, dude. You know, <laughs> it's just, it's so, it's just so quotable that, that whole movie, you know. They, I think they quote the, yeah. the days of our lives Probably thing at the beginning. The like they go to Socrates and he's like, all we are is dust in the wind, dude. You know, from Kansas, dust in the wind. And then Socrates picks it up and he's in, in Greek on the bottom. Like he's like having this revelation. He's quoting the days of our lives. It's just, it's just so <laughs> like sands through the hourglass. Right, like sands through the hourglass. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a, it's a treasure. I, I, just, love that I just saw, I just saw a thing with interview with Keanu Reeves. Like, when did you realize, you know, you had such a cult following, like he has such a strong cult following of fans. Cause he's very relatable yeah. and, and just a, a good guy and stuff. And he's just started saying when people started quoting and he started quoting Bill and Ted, he started quoting point break. He started <laughs> quoting the matrix. He's like, I've been in a lot of quotable movies. I mean, it's not like I'm so incredibly quotable. It's just, I happen to be in all these movies that are really quotable. <laughs> And it's just like, yeah, actually, I didn't even get to John Wick. And you you were just going through all these, you know, uh, people that will quote his movies. Like, that's when I started to realize, I guess I have a follow. Yeah, I mean, like the quotable movies are the best, you know, like that. There are movies where I could probably recite most of the movie. Oh, my gosh. You know, like 
um, Princess Bride. My, my, That's my, one my friend Tim knows like every every single word of Three Amigos. Like he just like, we had we had, we had a Three Amigos themed <laughs> oh, birthday party yeah. for him. You know, and, and, oh. but that's that's not. I mean, I love that movie, but that's not one of my like re like always rewatch it. I don't know. It's 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 just funny. <laughs> but like you know, Star Wars, The Dark Knight, mm. the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah, and it's funny too because like I love the Lord of the Rings movies, and there was a time in my life where I watched those a lot. Even the the extended ver for me it was the extended or nothing. But like now it's like I've even I've got to be in the mood to watch those movies. Yeah, not because I like them any less, but because with adulting and stuff, you have less time <laughs> to sit and watch a three four hour movie. You have to make sacrifices. Yeah, exactly. But that, <laughs> that's another interesting thing. Movies in general are just. I heard a discussion about this the other day online where movies in general are just getting longer mm-hmm. and i feel like that may be one of the reasons why i don't re-watch a ton of recent movies mm. like from the last five or ten years aside from the star wars ones and one or two of the marvel movies my list doesn't have a whole lot of recent movies on this. and do you realize why they're they're getting longer no no why is that because um, the movie theaters are no longer the major in charge. We need to get people out and back in for another seating. Because when you're streaming, who cares? Uh-huh. People are paying for the streaming. We don't care how long the movie is. So, um, mm-hmm. like, it's the same thing with, you know, uh, music. You need to have a song the radio. that plays for the mm-hmm. radio in a certain amount of time so that they can play it and play a certain amount of songs to get to the commercials, whatever. And so movies being that, you know, that sweet spot, you know, where they had to edit it down. It's not so much anymore, especially if it's made for Netflix or made for Amazon Prime or whatever. You can have a longer one. Doesn't matter. Or you could just turn it into some huge 13 part limited series where where it was going to be a movie, but we made it into that. Well, and it's interesting because like three, four in the in earlier decades, when movies were three or four hours, they had an intermission. Mm -hmm. Gettysburg has an intermission. Tora, yeah. Tora, Tora has an intermission. Avengers Endgame does not. <laughs> does not. Yeah. Well, the Batman doesn't yeah, have an intermission. Oh it probably should. But well, and it's. It, I was just checking because another one on my list is a you know old classic. I always love is uh, the Ghost and Mister Chicken with Don Knotts, where he is a oh uh, yeah Ra- Rachel Kansas like this little town in Kansas. He's a a wannabe news reporter, but he's just the typesetter in the basement. And I mean, I love Don Knotts. I mean, I don't think anybody like his <laughs> his nervous man, which he employs in this movie. It, this movie, if you haven't seen it, the, the speech at the town picnic in The Ghost of Mr. Chicken is maybe the greatest speech in the history of film. And it's not because <laughs> he is just like I'll just the one thing I'll give away is he gets up there and his, his papers are shaking and they like shaking on the microphone and then he pulls them down <laughs> and he just like says the first sentence and a gust of wind blows the whole speech away. And the look on Don Knotts's <laughs> face of just like, his speech just blows away. <laughs> and then he's, and he's, he never stops moving his hands and he's like moving the microphone and you know, it's just, I mean that, that scene is, is worth it because the thing is, you know, anyone who's ever done any public speaking, even those of us who might do it a lot, you know, like there's always butterflies. There's always like you, you, you if you overthink it, you're going to screw it up. It's just I mean, that's so relatable. Yeah. And it's <laughs> it's such a great movie. And then there were, we're coming back to this idea of scene. Yeah. Again, like sometimes a scene makes the movie, you know, and you like you, you know, it's coming. Mm. You know, it's coming. You're like counting down through the whole movie waiting for that scene to happen. Now, one of my obscure ones because uh, mm-hmm. I didn't never heard of the chicken one you mentioned just now. What was the whole full the, the Ghost and Mister Chicken? I think it's nineteen sixty six. That's it's oh gosh. Sounds like, sounds like a, a a band I was in in high school. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I, did you ever see Richard Dreyfuss's um, Let It Ride? No, no. This is this is a this is a classic like guilty pleasure movie. There's uh, the, the, you you could have some, it, but it makes you feel good, and it's basically a story about a guy who is down on his luck a lot and he spends a lot of time at the track and he has his friends there and everything and he gets on a streak and he just keeps on letting it ride <laughs> um and it's just the way it builds up and builds up the guy that he goes to is a famous uh he's a heavy set british actor who was I'm looking at us I wish I could 
Right. <laughs> yeah. Thank, when you look up and let it ride with Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> yeah. Look at his name. But he, he keeps on coming back to let it ride. And this guy starts to like just really appreciate him. At first it was like, yeah, whatever. It's your bet. But that as he keeps coming back and saying, I'm letting it ride, the guy's like, he's just like, you're my hero. Who is, is it? The, the guy, is it the ticket, the ticket seller? The ticket, the it's ticket a, seller. It's Robbie Coltrane. It's a Hagrid from, uh, yeah. Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. He was oh. in Nuns on the Run uh, a long time ago. He was in Goldeneye, uh, too. Other... He was in some of the Pierce Brosnan Bond movies. The, oh, yeah. So, so he, <laughs> like, when, when he makes his final bet, they're both there and they, they stop and they have a drink and a cigarette and they're just like looking at all the, the tickets that they had to print up because you can only have so many win tickets, you know, and he lets it ride. And so it's like the win tickets. You couldn't just, you didn't just have one big, this is this much money on one ticket. You had to print up a certain amount of tickets. And give them up. It was, and they like they went back in the the special room to do that. It was just really cool, <laughs> and just all the different things he goes through and how he picks which horse to pick. It's it's very funny uh, and entertaining, and yeah, it's definitely rewatchable. The other one, my other obscure, because the ones like the Jack Ryan and the Shawshank Redemption and the Tom Cruise movies and the Princess Bride and Star right. Wars, yeah. Indiana Jones. A lot of mm-hmm. people have those. Indiana Jones. But, yeah. My other one is Digstown mm. with Louis Gossett Jr. and yeah, is that a boxing? It's a boxing movie, right? Yeah, it's a boxing movie. Who's the conservative uh, actor? John um, Voight. Is he in that? Who's in it? Or not him? No, um, uh, I know. I'm. Oh, wow. I could see him, and I and I and I. I doesn't I know that have is, uh, I, James Woods? James, James Woods, Woods yeah. yeah, James Woods, and James Woods is a con artist, okay. so it's kind of like a con movie. And him and um, Louis Gossett Jr., who's the boxer, go in, and they are going to con this. Uh, he's kind of like a boss hog of this this town. Yeah. That his his boxer can beat any ten of his of residents of his county in a boxing match in a, in a twenty four hour period. <laughs> And that's that. That's the setup. That's the whole thing. And there's this one scene. It's there's a, this is one of those you know all these different scenes. With this one scene where the the guys are setting out the rules. Or what are the parameters of our bet? You know. And he slides this liquor bottle down to James Woods, and James Woods stops it with in one motion with his hand, catches the neck of the bottle with his thumb on the twist top, and and flicks the twist top and it spins off the bottle <laughs> and just lands perfectly and he pours himself a drink. It's just like, I'm like, how many times yeah, did they have like to go rewind him to catch it and flick it and it popped off and he poured it and it was just like perfect. And, oh my gosh. and, and it was just, just little things like that, that about that movie. But it, yeah, I mean, it has, it's, it's got great comedy, great drama, tragedy, all, all of it and just good dialogue and the scene after scene. And, and like in, the tradition of, you know, the sting and other mm. great like con artist movies. It's got just a, a great ending. Well, I just, I just saw there too. It has a very, uh, very young uh, Jim Caviezel in it too. Like in his early twenties. Oh yeah. 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 I think he's one of the many uh, boxers that uh, are lined up in it. Yeah. That's funny. Speaking of comedies, I, I almost forgot the Muppet movies. Those are I fun. I go back to those a lot. <laughs> those are fun. Do you ever, do you ever watch? always fun. Do you, now, do you ever, do you like Muppet Treasure Island? That's my favorite. <laughs> Thomas, this is okay. You have no idea how significant this is. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about this more some other time. Okay. But this is this my wife. It's so funny. Like she just doesn't get it. And she's <laughs> I'm trying, like, what? it's that movie. I don't know what it was like. My, my brothers and I just loved that movie. Like my cousins. And we joked like we sang the songs. Yeah. We quoted it all the time. The songs are great. And I still quote it. And, and I tried to show her it once and she just wasn't, she's like, I don't really, why is this such a big deal to you? I'm like, it, uh, okay, I guess he kind of had to be there for that 25 years of this. Cause <laughs> I, I believe Hans Zimmer did the score. I think he did. Of Muppet Treasure Island. We, I just quoted this a few weeks ago because Billy Connolly, right? Doesn't he play Billy Bones? The Scottish actor, Billy Connolly. Oh, Billy Bones. We, yeah. We always quote the line when he's like talking to, oh. he's dying and he's talking to Jim. You know, Hawkins and he's like Jim, Jimmy, Jim, Jimmy, Jim, 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 and he has Gonzo's. You've always been a decent soul, told Billy Bob. He's like he's like squeezing Gonzo's nose in his confusion, and he's like, "I'm yeah. not Jimmy, Jimmy, Jim, Jim, Jim." He's Jim. <laughs> it's just so dumb. Like, and then when, when, when he finally dies, and and Rizzo's just like, "We are standing <laughs> in a room with a dead, dead guy. guy," and then they all freak out. <laughs> oh gosh. That movie, that's a blind. And, and, uh, and then the, the the blind guy, blind. Yes. Remember, because he's the visually challenged fiend, right. not the blind, the blind fiend. fiend. 
Tim Curry as Long John the Silver. Visually challenged. Oh gosh, it's outstanding. Oh, Tim Curry, I love Tim Curry. And that movie has some of the best pirate music. I, I yeah, guess it's the fun. main theme of that movie. I like it better than the the Pirates of the Caribbean music. Yeah, which is ironic because I love that pirate theme. Hans Zimmer took yeah. that over years later. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, well, a couple of quick Hans yeah. Zimmer's uh, rewatchable movies of mine. Backdraft. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And oh, Crimson Tide. Yes. Crimson Tide, I think, is his best theme. Crimson Tide is a uh, great movie. That, yeah. Yeah. And the music really how the triumphant, the, the, every, when they're entering the sub for the first time yeah. and he's given the speech about Bama and, and Roll Tide. Gene and Hackman. And yeah. and Gene Hackman and uh, Denzel Did you Washington ever see that one, Thomas? Because that that's like a no. really like tension building one, like is what I thought. Cause it's oh, like, yeah. It's basically conflict over whether or not to launch nuclear missiles <laughs> between Gene Hackman and Denzel. Yeah, it's, oh, okay. Yeah, they're, they get they get cut off from their transmission that they get in their in their sub. And Gene Hackman's the captain, and uh, his first mate is for the first like this is the first voyage right. where, they're, where they're together is uh, Denzel Washington, and they get this you know emergency action message you know e uh, what EAM yeah. comes through and it gets printed out. And their uh, antenna gets cut off somehow. I don't know what they at some sort of accident or whatever. So they only get part of it. And it seems like the, the first message was to launch missiles. Mm-hmm. And the second message uh, oh. seemed to be don't launch <laughs> missiles, but it was cut off. And the rule is you don't launch missiles after, uh, you know, you, I mean, you don't listen to something that's cut off. You just, it has to be verified. There's no way to verify mm-hmm. it. It's cut off. So we ignore it. And Denzel's like, well, wait a minute. This is like we're locked, you know, since it's launching nuclear missiles, maybe we should like be more cautious about that. And it's the whole thing. And it's amazing. So the, I, and I'm thinking some of the guys, uh, the one of the Sopranos, one of the main Sopranos is uh, one of the guys in there. I forget. Is James Gandolfini's in it. Yeah. Isn't he the one? Didn't he pass away? He did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was amazing. Like the guy you love to hate. He just had that oh look, gosh. like yeah. I want to smack you around. You well, know? and Viggo Mortensen's in it too, isn't he? I think he's in that rather young. He's he's his. Uh, oh yeah, Denzel's oh, yeah. friend. Yeah, he's Denzel's friend, who's the weapons guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's he's got a great part. There's a, couple, There's a yeah. bunch of, and the guy, the one of the original guys from Law and Order, uh, the big guy. He's the chief of the boat, Cobb. Yeah, Cobb's good. What's, what's his name? I forget the actor's name. Uh, yeah. The actor. The, the, there was the. The, the the two the one guy the 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 skinny guy it's like Lauren Hardy or something right. the skinny guy from Law the original Law and Order and the fatter guy he was the heavier guy okay uh, he he plays cop I, did, I have to look it up but I'm I'm too lazy right now to do it but yeah uh, the Crimson Tide I feel like there were were there I don't know <laughs> does it seem like there were more movies like that in the, like the 80s and 90s than there have been in the last 25 years like everything seems so serialized sometimes you know like the next yeah I don't know there was like the, the right. I, I I look for those like the, the you know when I the, the ones that I really like what we were watching too there were uh, like I don't know if they came out in the same year or consecutive years, but the ones where the White House was under siege. Oh, yeah, yeah. You had um, oh, uh, yeah. Something Has Fallen. What did they call it? There were a couple. Was that the Gerard Butler and Morgan Freeman ones? Yeah, well, George, mm-hmm. Gerard Butler was was in the uh, Something Has Fallen, and everybody that's listening to this is going, is shouting the actual title. London Bridge is Fallen. <laughs> Olympus. Olympus Has Fallen. And then the other one was, was much White worse, but still a, a yeah. good one. Oh, okay. White House yeah. Down. And that was with what's that name guy the the good looking actor's name? Oh, wasn't that um, like they were completely unrelated movies? Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, completely. It was Channing Tatum and Jamie Fox. Fox. Channing yeah, Jamie Tatum. Fox, yeah. I'm like Channing. I'm like who's the who's the good looking <laughs> actor who has the girl's name? Channing <laughs> Tatum. Yeah. Um. I always would get his, his uh, I, before I learned who he was. His name always confused the heck out of me because I was looking Gosh. for a woman. I'm like, who are you? That one was not as like. I don't know. It just didn't seem as, as serious as well made with the whole with everything they did. But it was still those were like just those really intense tension yeah. building, you know, uh, just, you know, a certain amount of mm-hmm. violence, you know, and whatever action in it. And I'm I'm always searching for those. I just kind of think of my yeah. um, Tom Clancy movies I, that they don't make as many as. Ooh, uh Casino Royale is a movie where the tension really builds. And I love yeah. watching it. That card game, and I know nothing about poker That's, or card games, but those scenes are amazing. Still probably my favorite Daniel uh, Craig one. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he has some good ones. He does, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I love when he, he he fights the guy, and I think it's after he fights the guy in the stairwell. 
and he's all bloody and he goes into the shower with his clothes on, I think. And he comes back and the bad guy, Lashif, is like, you changed your shirt, Mr. Bomb. I hope our little game isn't causing you to perspire. <laughs> and I'm like, this is brilliant. <laughs> Such a Bond villain line. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> What's the one where he's like, kind of like pops into the back of an exploding bus or something and he kind of like make, catches his balance and fixes his cuff and just walk. It's just such a Bond moment. I don't know which oh. one that is, but they had it. They had it in the pre, like in the trailer. Yeah. And it was just so cool. He's like almost falling and then he completely gets his composure and he lifts up his one hand and fixes his his cufflink. I feel like that was Skyfall. Just like is he? Just like he's walking into a maybe it was that Skyfall. It was a very recent one. It was just like yeah, that's such an awesome Bond moment. Like I'm just too cool to lose my balance. I'm actually going to adjust my cufflink and walk very coolly with my hair perfect, straightforward. <laughs> you know, I think it's the world is not enough when they attack <laughs> MI6 and Pierce Brosnan goes out in the experimental jet boat down to the Thames and goes underwater, and as he's yeah. going underwater, like, fixes his tie. <laughs> <laughs> Same kind of thing. Oh, yeah. my gosh. And, I'm, and, I'm, and we're the ones, I remember him for Remington Steel. I mean, nobody knows, you know. A little before my time, but, I, yeah, I'm aware, yeah. And, and also, like, I remember seeing another awesome rewatchable, probably almost started the action rewatchable movies is Die Hard, which changed yes. action yeah. movie genres forever. And Bruce Willis was a laughable pick for an action star, which now you're just like one of the yeah. people you think of. Right. Yeah, but at the time he was a comedian was like, that was on Moonlight. Like Moonlight? Yeah, Moonlight. Moonlighting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was just like, what? And and he he nailed it. That's another thing. Like, uh, wasn't wasn't Michael Keaton in comedies before Batman 89? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's coming back as Batman. I know. Yeah. Oh, no. He was a comedic actor. It was a joke. Yeah. And then he got a few roles. He got a few roles as a as a bad guy. And he was great. He just he had it. Well, the whole they had the Beetlejuice thing around the same time, too. I think that was after. But I'm trying to remember what was the one he was in. Um, yeah, I, I'll have to look it up. But there was something he was in. Hilarious, like early, early 80s movie with him. Well, Mr. Mom was was uh, Mr. Mom was a good one. Yeah. Johnny Dangerously was one there, too. <laughs> that was good. But that. Yeah. Um, it's um, it is funny like these these crossovers because the um the other one I was thinking of was like Christopher Walken's always been interesting to me because people just a little bit younger than me mostly think of him in more of the comedic roles you know like Mouse Hunt like his 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 role yeah. in Mouse Hunt is like one of the greatest ever and then yeah. um you know so many bizarre like that bizarre kind of quirky comedic thing that he's so famous for now but then like you know you go watch like um like Deer Hunter. <laughs> Oh. Or um, what else was he in the um, what was that that Stephen King movie he was in? Was it um, Nowhere Man? Was that it? Is that right? Well, I just saw the other day he's going to be the Emperor of the Known Universe in Dune Part Two. Yeah, where'd that come from? That, yeah, that'll be interesting. Like, that's going to be interesting. But he just it's it's I'm trying to look it up here quick. The versatility of someone like that because I think that's something I see. Or no, I, I quote it wrong. It's Dead Zone. Um, the Dead right. Zone. He was in in 1983 where he comes out of a coma and then he can kind of touch people and see the future. Mm-hmm. And then he, he sort of accidentally, I think it's Martin Sheen is running for Senate or something. And he bumps into him and sees him as this. Now, of course it's, you know, he's a stereotypical, you know, uh, uh, kind of you know crazy conservative, fundamental Christian <laughs> who will, you know, destroy the God world. Save us, oh no. but, <laughs> right. You know, but Martin, but he, he, it's an interesting moral dilemma where he's like, now it, does he have the responsibility to kill preemptively right. this, this man who has not yet ascended to the, 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 you know, he'll be president one day and cause this war. It, it's like the whole, you know, if you could go back in time and kill Hitler kind of. Yeah. You know, so that's sometimes not to get too meta, but I think sometimes these. Some of them, I, I don't. I don't watch Dead Zone over and over. That just came to mind because I like. I watch Christopher Walken over and over <laughs> again. <laughs> Things, but um, that's something I, I see as a lot of themes here. Like um, uh, one that Martin Sheen is in. That's a good one. Uh, Dead Zone's good, but he's a good guy. Is uh, the way because you guys have, I've have you seen, seen that. that. The, I've heard of it, but I haven't Camino seen it. Movie. It's and I show that to my students every year, and it's interesting because it's not. You wouldn't think that it's the kind of movie that you know. 14 to 18 year olds really respond to because like all the main characters are middle age like they're you know from like 42 to like late 60s 
and all in these different you know phases of life and different tragedies and things they've experienced that none of the tragedies they've experienced are anything that any of these kids have experienced, right. but just like the, the raw reality of human suffering and, and that we all are on this journey. And, and that movie is such a wonderful, you know, allegory for the whole gospel. Mm. It's, it's just, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, them, they're on the Camino, you know, to Santiago and that. So it's, so that's one I, I, I see every year. Yeah. I, think I saw that <laughs> at a parish show event it to them and it's, that I was at. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. That's a, that's a, and that's a newer one. That's like 2011 or so. But yeah. yeah there's not, we, not as many of them, like you were saying, Thomas. Yeah. I feel we, like. Well, we, we've covered a ton of ground tonight. <laughs> is, is there any kind of like 60 <laughs> movies? Is there any kind of like honorable mentions you want to get in before we wrap up? Like kind of a lightning round. I just have a couple quick. Yeah. I'll throw out if that's all right. It's, um, we, we mentioned a lot of them. I, I did have here. I had to show I back to the future. I love, especially the, the second one, first and second, but I have my little, the, the little, oh, the little the DeLorean. DeLorean in the box. I, I saw it at Walmart. I had to get it. It's on my shelf behind me usually. And, spe- and speaking of Michael Keaton, eighties Batman, I do have the, the Batmobile, which I nice. saw the real one in 1990 in a, at a car show in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania with my grandfather. There's a picture of me next to it and the, the mannequin of, of Batman. But, oh, that's cool. um, but no, the, 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 I just throw in Napoleon Dynamite hey. is just one of the funniest movies. Yeah. And it, it took like the first time I saw it, I really was like, what is this? You know, and over time, it's just it it's. It's just this gem that I can go back to any time and just lose it. You know, I need to uh, one that's not that. exactly a and one one that's one last one I'll mention. That's just a fun one. That's not an Oscar winner by any stretch of the imagination, but Hot Rod with Andy Samberg, where he's a he's a wannabe daredevil. And it's just it's just great, like 21st century slapstick insanity, because it's just like he's like running into like trucks at like a hundred miles an hour, like flying off his, his moped and stuff. <laughs> he falls down. A, it's got the best, the best falling down a mountain scene I've ever seen other than Chris Farley in, um, uh, Tommy boy or in a uh, black sheep when he falls down the mountain while he's canvassing for votes in Washington state and just falls down the mountain. So for some reason, yeah, I don't know. SQPN uh, listeners now know that I really, really think it's hilarious in movies when people fall. <laughs> oh, no, I'm oh, I'm glad it's not just me then, because <laughs> physically as we were, you. So, yeah, from the from. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah for, so for from from for, for Mike Creevy's vote yeah, from the sublime to the ridiculous. There we go. So <laughs> um, I don't know if it's as much as sublime to ridiculous, but there's one um, called Shop Around the Corner. It is a Jimmy Stewart movie set in like. Yeah. Hungry or some, I, I don't remember. It was just, you know, n- nothing about the, the, the town. Like they don't have accents. They all speak English. It's, but it's, they're in some like Scandinavian okay. country and it's Christmas time and they work in a shop and these two people meet that actually already know each other through this mail correspondence. And it is actually a remake was done with Tom Hanks and, um, uh, what's your name? Uh, called You Got Mail. Oh, okay. so shop around the corner with Jimmy Stewart is it can it can yeah. be a Christmas movie, but it's really it's, it's kind of surprising. I wouldn't be surprised if someday it's just discovered and gets a cult following and it's really a watch, but oh. it's very well done. One of the stars is the same actor who played the wizard in The Wizard of Oz. You can tell oh. by hearing his voice. Oh, and you're yeah. like, oh, my gosh, that's the wizard. <laughs> and my other one uh, that I haven't watched in a while, but I love watching is uh, Superman 2 with Christopher Reeves. Oh yeah, one was good, but Superman two. Superman two is worth that. Yeah, General Zod yeah. and everything, and that great fight I scene win, in New York. Yes. Oh. I always win. You know, <laughs> so great. Yeah, it's just like they're in the glass. Yeah, the like, glass. <laughs> the, yeah, the Phantom Zone and everything, and they're Phantom throwing bus and yeah. yeah, and Grog can't quite get the heat vision out of his eye. I mean, everything is. Uh, yeah, it's 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 just. It's just, and even like the ending when he goes back and beats up the guy in the diner, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very satisfying. So satisfying. So those are my two honorable <laughs> mentions. I think for my two, I'll throw out one that I watched a lot when I was a kid and one is a new favorite. So one that I watched a lot when I was a kid and I can't believe I haven't brought up this guy's movies yet. Uh, Ray Harryhausen, the great stop motion effects master. Mm. Like I watched... I don't know if I've seen all his movies, 
But uh, one that I watched a lot when I was a kid was The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. And it's kind of a forgotten movie now because it came out the year before Godzilla. And the monster, (laughs) but it's, it's an American movie. It's not a Japanese movie. And it's done with stop motion rather than a guy in a rubber suit. And the dinosaur, the dinosaur in that movie, the, the stop motion, that's probably Harryhausen at his, maybe not at the peak of his game, but it's when he's, he's really starting to perfect his craft at that point. And yeah. the thing that, the things that he does with lighting in the movie, there are a lot of lighting effects. Like, you know, like you, you believe that there is a monster going around walking through New York City and destroying stuff. And yeah, and the, the, the acting is not very good. The story is kind of bonkers, but I'm there for the stop motion dinosaur, which looks great. And it's kind of like, yeah, it was that was that the Brad, the one based on the Bradbury? Yes, it was b- b- a story extremely yeah. loosely based off the Bradbury story. Oh, the, fog yeah. <laughs> one. the only thing that's the same is that the monster destroys a lighthouse. That's it. Yes. And that's, okay. that's the only thing that's, that's that's the only thing that's the same. Yeah. And in fact, I think at the beginning of the movie, it says based off of Ray Bradbury's The Fog. Interesting. And then a new favorite of mine that I discovered during COVID is The Dark Crystal. I love that movie. It is true. I I did not see it when I was a kid. I discovered it during COVID. I saw it in the theater. Oh, wow. That, That must have been an experience. But well, it was it like is, it was you thought it was like Muppets. You're like, oh, it's a Muppets movie, I, you know? Yeah. Jim Henson and the whole thing. It was a little darker than a Muppets movie. Obviously. I, I reviewed the movie cool. here on SQPN. I grew up with it. Oh, really? And <laughs> I don't I, 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 I love my family, but I, I, I'm not sure why that was a <laughs> centerpiece film of my youth. <laughs> really? <laughs> but yeah, I haven't seen it forever. I, I, yeah, I have to go back and watch that again. Oh my gosh. I love it. It's now one of my favorite fantasy movies. It was like groundbreaking. Yeah. yeah. Groundbreaking with the sets and how they did it with all puppets. and Absolutely. Oh yeah, the making of is amazing. I just realized sitting next to me is the Dark Crystal RPG <laughs> book for the, the tabletop. <laughs> RPG that I bought because I need it. I don't even really play tabletop RPGs, but I'm like, I need this book. I love this movie. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> oh my god. That's goodness. another thing about the these movies we rewatch. They keep making memorabilia based on these movies for us to buy. So <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. Like your uh, your DeLorean. Like you were showing us before. Well, that's why there's so much Star Wars stuff behind me here. I had to make a little space on the shelf for the DeLorean. No, the- right? <laughs> but yeah, no, we, we we could go on about this all night. Yeah, I, th- th- this has been a great discussion. I think we've covered a lot of awesome movies. And that's why we want to hear from you, our viewers. You need to write into us now and tell us what are your favorite movies to watch over and over again. You can let us know. By sending us emails at secrets at sqpn.com, or you can comment on our Facebook page or on YouTube, or you can tweet us on Twitter where we are at sqpn, or you can visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord, which is a really great community. There's a lot of awesome. I'm on there every day now. There's a lot of awesome discussions going on. And before we go, we'd also like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make this podcast possible, including Susan B., Andreas S., Jesse K., Megan F., and Patrick W. Their generous donations at sqpn.com give help us to continue to create the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the programs here at StarQuest, and you can join them again at sqpn.com give. So until next time, Mike Dents, thank you for sharing with me the secrets of movies and TV shows. My pleasure. This was great. And Mike Creevy, thank you as well. Lots of fun. Thanks for having me on. And once again, I'm Thomas Salerno. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Doctor Who. Find the show wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Doctor Who.